Amen. That's truth, Lord. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good to me. We could add about 150,000 more so-sos. You've been watching after us, and we thank you so much, Lord. Father, you're invited here today. Every one of us here, Lord, invites the presence of your Holy Spirit so that he can teach us and he can show us and he can speak to us so that we can have the power we need to win this world for Christ. Lord, today we give you this service. We give you ourselves. It's time for the Christian to quit playing games. It's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to take our shield and our sword and our helmet and our breastplate and our shoes and a belt of truth and go out there and win a lost world to you. Use us today, Lord. Over the internet, or even when we go to the grocery store, Lord, use us in a mighty way. Let people know that we're different. We're different because we received the gift that you gave of your son. For you so loved the world, you gave your only begotten son. So, Lord, we opened up that gift, and Jesus saturated our hearts. And, Lord, we want the world to know you. Help us to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Matt. You may be seated. For everyone online, I just wanted to, uh, for those of you that just tuned in, you're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. And uh, I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. But we're going to have a special uh, speaker today. Pastor Brett is going to be speaking for us. So, Grace, I need you up front. Grace is going to tell you something that uh, we want you all to know because there's an invitation for this coming Friday, and Grace is going to tell you all about it. And uh, make room for this Friday. Yes, I hope everybody's making room for this Friday. It'll be Friday, January 22nd from 7 to 8.30 p.m., and we're doing a repeat performance of our Freedom Church's Christmas musical. And I pray that everybody sitting here will be here that night. I want to invite everybody to come and just ha spend time with the Lord. I know this um, week when I'm, I'm doing little preparations here and there, and it can be really easy to get caught up in the busyness of everything that we do, running here, running there. And sometimes we need to remember. We need to remember to slow down and remember Christ. We need to remember the most amazing love ever given to all mankind, which is Jesus Christ. So on this night, Friday, the 22nd of January, I hope you all come out and sit at his feet. And just remember, remember your first love. Remember what he did for you and what he continues to do for you every single day. And I know this week as I was um, preparing, I heard a song and I wanted to share the words with you because I just think they're so powerful and so beautiful. And it says, when I hear the news and hear another war has begun, and I wonder if God's on the side of either one, I hear bullet, nail, or handcuff, he bore all of them. And in the light, my heart's as dark as anyone's. Lord, remind me that the shepherds heard the angels break the silence in the field, that the wise men found a baby and they could not help but kneel, that the one who heard our weeping became a child in manger sleeping, 
Lord, remind me, because it's Christmas, and I want to remember. So in the hearts of every Christian who loves the Lord and knows his amazing love, it's Christmas every day. So I invite you all again to come out on Friday. Thank you. Thank you. 7 p.m., that is, 7 p.m. this Friday. Don't forget. Listen, like Grace said, Christmas is every day for the Christian. So, uh, you know, they didn't just perform us here. They performed it at the Salvation Army up on Military Trail by the airport. And they had a pretty big crowd of mostly homeless people, I believe. So, you know, and that went over real well. It went over here. Um, so we just, um, we just invite you all. Please come on out. 2810 High Paluxo Road. We're about a half a mile west of I-95 on High Paluxo Road before you get to Congress. So um, now come on out, 7 p.m. Well, Pastor Bretz, he's set and ready to go. You know, every uh, he speaks here every every uh, third Thursday or so. That's the plan. But he's going to be going away for some. He's going to tell you all about it for a couple of months of more training. So let's pray for him. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we lift our pastor's bread up to you, Lord, that you would touch him in his heart, Lord, that he would touch us in our hearts as the words come forth from the pages of Scripture and from his heart. Lord, use us, use Brett in a mighty way to reach out. Even, you know, his ministry, Great Harvest Ministry, Lord, is because he wants to harvest our, uh, a bunch of people for you because you told us 2,000 years ago that the fields are white for harvest. Mm. So we're ready to go. Use Brett and his ministry and, and our ministry here to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, Pastor. Good morning, good morning. Am I on in my life? Can you hear me? How's everyone doing today? Can you hear me in the back? Everything okay? We'll get, we'll get, uh, get going here. If you have your Bibles... This morning, I hope and pray you do. If you don't carry your Bible to church, I mean, I wonder if you're even reading it anymore, you know. People have these phones now, and they want to do the Bible on phone. I'm not against it. But I wonder, you know, when you go to these churches, everyone's looking at their phone. I'm wondering if they're texting and playing Facebook or actually reading Scripture, you know. It's so distracting, some of these technological advancements. We have so much knowledge but so little knowledge of the Lord these days. So much information, but yet so lack of wisdom, right? You see this world, it's like as we increase in knowledge, it seems we get more evil. Because the beginning of true wisdom is what? The fear of the Lord. You can, you know, in Ecclesiastes, the author was uh, Solomon, who was basically considered the wisest man on the earth until Jesus Christ came, obviously. He was considered the wisest person that ever lived. He wrote a few of the poetry books, Proverbs. He wrote many of the Proverbs, some Psalms, Ecclesiastes. And he, you know, at the end of his searching and longing to find knowledge and wisdom and understanding, he wrote at the end of Ecclesiastes, Everything is vanity. It's all meaningless. None of this means anything except that you fear the Lord and obey His commands. So we can do a lot of stuff and know a lot of stuff, but if we fail to do that, we're pretty much living a life of vanity. Amen? So today, I want you to go a couple places with me. 
First, I want you to go to Luke chapter 10 and hold your place there. I'm going to give you guys a amazing testimony and update of what God has been doing in our lives, in our ministry. But I want to give you some scriptural reference first, some scriptural understanding of why we do what we do and why God is doing what He's doing. I want you to also go, after you get to Luke chapter 10, I want you to also go to uh, Timothy. Sorry, I just had it here. Second Timothy. Chapter 4. And then we'll pray. I'll give you a second. So again, my name is Brett Hennis. I know some of you guys. I know most of you guys here. I saw many people actually watching online today. I was pretty shocked. We just saw the online feed and there was a lot of people on the East Coast watching live. So wherever you are, uh, we just want to welcome you. God bless you guys. I hope that you are encouraged today, that you can hear the voice of God, that you can hear the calling of God on your own life, that you can understand the purpose and plan He has for this season. Because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there is a time and season for everything under the sun. Amen. If there's a time and a season for everything we do and a purpose for everything on earth, how much more in the kingdom of heaven? Amen. How much more does God have a purpose and plan for this season on the heavenly time clock, I call it? What is God doing? You know, I want to share with you some things just from Scripture, the heart of God, uh, the calling of God. And I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you and encourage you. I'm going to share at the end of the kind of the end of the uh, message here where God is leading me next in our ministry as a as a GHM family, the Great Harvest Ministry. If you don't uh, know anything about the Great Harvest Ministry today, I'll be explaining quite a bit about that. So let's go to Luke 10. I'm going to go ahead and read a few verses, and then we're going to pray. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. The Lord was going through the cost of following Him in Luke chapter 9. He was talking about the cost of following Him, how it basically will cost you everything. It basically will cost you your entire life. Discipleship is a surrender of your entire life. It's not a uh, going to church on Sunday thing only. It's basically giving up everything you have, giving all that you are with all your mind, heart, soul, strength, worshiping God, loving God, knowing God, and serving God. And he was basically giving these different instructions to different people um, to follow him, to let go of things, to give up everything for his kingdom. And he talked to uh, a few different men, but right at the end of chapter 9, Jesus said, reply to one of the men who said Lord I will follow you but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family it's somewhat reminiscent of the days of Abraham and Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah when God was uh, judging the earth he was cleansing the land of these wicked people these disgusting sinners that were just beyond uh, uh, they had gone beyond all sanity. They had gone beyond all you know, morality. They were just completely wretched. And uh, we know Lot and his family were taken out. God had a better plan for the righteous ones. They weren't called to be 
they were called to be in the world, but not of the world. Amen. And these, this family had been in the world and it became of the world, right? We see with Lot's daughters what happened to them. And as God was separating them and taking them out of the city before the judgment came, what happened to the wife? They told the wife and the family, the angels, do not look back. Do not look back. And what happened? Lot is fleeing with the daughters and his wife. The wife, because of her worldliness and her attachment to the things of the world and this sinful city, she looks back and the judgment of the Lord falls on her and she's destroyed and becomes a pillar of salt. So what's causing us to look back? What's causing us? Maybe it's 2020. Maybe 2020 was a difficult year for you. Maybe things hindered your plans and your health failed you or, you know, this covid 19 thing just took took your uh joy and you couldn't do the things you used to do and you couldn't uh be as free as you used to be and you got overly focused on all the problems of life and the weeds and the thorns began to choke out the seed the word of god in your life maybe you fell into sin maybe you've fallen into some shameful things and you feel discouraged and you are looking back you're not pushing pushing forward pressing forward in the things of God. You're allowing what's going on in your world, in this world around you to hinder you from the will of God and the kingdom of God. You're allowing your circumstances and the storms of life. Maybe it's your family like this man. I'll follow you, Jesus. I'll follow you, Lord. But first, but first, oh, how many people uh, I spent almost 10 years of my life in Brazil as a missionary training young people with YOM youth with a mission training young people to be missionaries to lay down their life to go out and preach the gospel but many of them had a but first they had a but first Jesus said you know what should be your but first but first seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness but first I'll tell you what is your but first disciples The kingdom of God and His righteousness. Nothing else should come first before that. Amen? This wasn't even in my notes, so this is coming from the Lord. Whatever you're, whoever's watching, what is your but first? Is it the kingdom of God? 2021, this whole decade is a great reset. It's a great reset happening. I hope you understand that. The United Nations, the one world order, the spirit of the Antichrist that is here now taking over the whole world's economies and whole world systems as we stand here and I talk to you. They're calling it the Great Reset. They want to reset everything. They want to erase history. They want to control the future. They want to control everything and everyone. That is the spirit of the Antichrist. You see, he's not a loving Savior. He's not a loving Lord or King. You don't get to bow to him freely. You don't get to serve him uh, out of the goodness of your heart. He will, make, he will forcefully make you bow. Jesus died on a cross to show us his love so we would willingly serve him and bow to him. Satan will make you bow to him by force. by force and many are getting many of the church 
members, people, believers, saints, whatever you call us, the called out ones. We're getting stuck. We're getting overwhelmed. We're getting caught in this whole storm. Charles Spurgeon said it best. He said, you know, believers are called to live in the world. We are called to be in the world, but the world is not called to be in us. The fears of the world, the kingdom of darkness, the evils we see around us, they're not called to be a part of your life. I hope you understand that. He said it's like a ship. Charles Spurgeon said it's like a ship. It lives in the water, but the water doesn't come into the ship or what happens? It sinks, right? The water of this world is not supposed to be in us, church, or we will sink. Jesus then replied to this man who said, but first, I have something more priority than you, Jesus. I, wa- I-, I like you. I even maybe love you. I see what you're doing. Great ministry, Jesus. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow, we're going to talk about the great harvest today, but no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back like Lot's wife is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He's saying you're not worthy if you look back. His soul is not pleased with the soul that shrinks back. God is not pleased with those who look back, who turn back, who give up, who shrink back. So the church needs a great reset. The body of Christ needs to restart and rethink and refocus and be revived and be restored. Amen. The church needs to respond, guys, to what is happening in our world and in our generation. Luke 10, and after this, so Jesus just kind of filtered out a bunch of false disciples or a bunch of disciples who weren't willing to count the cost and take up their cross and follow him. And now here comes these kind of uh, purified or sanctified group who made the cut, you know. He kind of was making cuts on his team, you know, the basketball. Any of you guys ever was on a football or basketball team? You didn't make the final cut. That was me. You know, you don't you don't make the final cut. So now he's got this group he's working with that made the final cut, so to speak. And the Lord, Luke 10, verse one. The Lord then appointed 72 others and sent them two by two. Ahead of him to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And then he told them. The harvest is plentiful. Say that with me, church, today. Can you say that? The harvest is plentiful, but another issue, the workers are few. He's showing them what he sees. He's showing them the kingdom agenda, what the Lord is looking at what the focus of the Lord was, okay? Like I said, we we need to refocus, guys. We need to kind of reset our minds, refocus our hearts on the kingdom of God. And Jesus is trying to get these this group, these believers to see what he sees. 
And what he sees is a, a harvest that is plentiful. In John chapter 4, verse 35, when Jesus was ministering to the Samaritan woman, we actually talked about that about a month ago. I preached from that passage. The disciples were not focused on what Jesus was focused on. They weren't seeing what he was seeing. Jesus went into Samaria, the long route. They were traveling, and he purposefully went into Samaria to minister to the Samaritans and to minister to this woman. Two groups of people the Jews did not like, did not consider worthy of the kingdom, did not respect women, did not want anything to do with Samaritans. And Jesus purposefully goes in, right? We call them the lost and the least and the last. Some of them will pass us in the kingdom of God. You know that, right? <laughs> Some of the big names and the big fame and the people we think are the greatest in the kingdom, they're really the least. And Samaritans and sinners are going to pass a lot of people who are in church today. So Jesus goes to Samaria. They're obviously on a long journey. He's tired. He's thirsty. He goes up and asks for water. You guys know the scenario. She kind of is hesitant, doesn't know why he's talking to her, doesn't know who he is. Why are you asking me for water? Jesus said, if you knew who was asking you, you'd ask me for water, living water. And when the disciples, so she basically encounters Christ, gets saved, starts believing in Christ through this encounter, and uh, her life's transformed. Um, the disciples come, and they're like, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you doing? First of all, why are we in Samaria? Get us out of this wretched place. And why are you talking to a woman? Men don't, you know, and that woman, that one, do you know that woman? That's a sinful woman, Jesus. What are you doing? Jesus told them, behold. He said, I, I, I tell you, look and lift up your eyes. The harvest is white and it's ready. They're, they're, they're so carnal, they're, they don't get it. They're so earthly and worldly, they, they, they see, they're like racists, you know. They see men over here, women over here, Jews up here, Samaritans down there. Sound familiar, guys? They think they're better, they think they're, oh, and, and we're hungry, by the way. You know, we need to go to McDonald's. Come on, Jesus. Let's go to, you know, I saw a Cracker Barrel on the way here. Let's go get some biscuits. He said, my bread is to do the will of my Father. You're focused on food. You're focused on yourself. You're focused on your belly. You're focused on saving yourself, feeding yourself. I'm focused on souls, harvest, people. The harvest is white and ready. They didn't get it. Again, this is later now. He's telling them again. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is ready. But the workers are few. He wants them to first of all see something, guys, that he sees that we so often miss. I was in Brazil in November with Matt. We went back to visit the church, encourage the church, uh, exhort them, mission trip. And I remember sharing about this harvest vision and calling with Tiago Nises, who's basically our right-hand man and his wife down in Brazil. And his wife asked me a such important question. She is just so, I mean, this is like a woman on fire. They went up to Nepal for a year, ministering in the middle of the Himalaya mountains to 
like completely lost. I mean, people who never, ever heard of Jesus, right? But she goes, Britt, what will it take for the army of God to rise and for them to fulfill this calling? She asked me that. What will it take? What is hindering us? What's holding us back? I told her, you know, Jesus, said I don't know everything but I do know this one thing I said we need our spiritual eyes to be open the church is sleeping the church is snoozing the church is not seeing it's hard to see you know if you want to see in the morning right if you want to wake up what's the first thing you better do you better open your eyes right Before you even get out of bed, you open your eyes, right? It's the first sign of someone awakening and getting up out of their sleep. I mean, if you keep your eyes closed, you're going to stay in the bed a long time, right? I don't like mornings. The longer I keep my eyes closed, the longer I lay down and feel tired. But when you open your eyes and you open the blinds and the light shines into your soul, something happens. What? You awaken. Amen? This is what is happening in the body of Christ. Our eyes are closed. We keep hitting the snooze button. Just give me a little more time, Lord. Just give me a little more time, God. But first this. But first that. But first, but first, but first. And then the Lord is, Awaken, arise, O sleeper, that Christ may shine on you. He's been shaking us for years, guys. How long have we heard these messages? How long has the prophets cried out and ring these alarms and blow these trumpets? How long? I remember doing a dinner one time over at Calvary, and it was a missions dinner. I was supposed to be raising support, and the Lord put this message on my heart. No, don't ask for money. Don't ask for support. Don't tell them what you're doing in Brazil. Wake them up. Wake them up. And I had to cry to them, like, why do I have to come here and tell you the same thing over and over? When will you guys listen? We should be on the same page by now. We should have one accord. We should, I should just be able to look. We're, people are getting saved in Brazil and baptized, and young people are coming off the streets and drugs. They're on fire now. Just send some support. It should just be easy. But No. We'd have people commit, commit, commit. Oh, I'll give you 10 bucks a month, man. What's that, a cup of coffee at Starbucks? We'll give you 20 bucks a month. Ten out of, eight out of ten wouldn't even follow through for a month. Eight out of ten, every year, every time. Seven, eight out of ten wouldn't even give 10, 20 bucks a month. Hey, look, I don't need your money. It was your commitment to God, right? I'm just saying, what, what is your desire? What is drawing you? And, and, and every morning, what drives you? What do you awaken and think about? What consumes your thoughts? What burns in your heart? What desires do you have? This isn't another preaching, guys. This is a, a testing of fire. What are we focused on? Is our first thing Jesus' first thing? You know what His first thing is? Is the harvest. It's the reward of the Lamb's sufferings. The old Moravian missionaries used to call it the reward 
of his suffering. There was a time when the Moravians, this was the first like shaking and awakening. It came after the Reformation and after a 100 year period of prayer. It was a group of Christians that were praying 24-7 for 100 years, okay? That's what it took to wake up the body. <laughs> the Reformation was good and it was necessary. It wasn't complete. I hope you understand that. There was a return back to the Bible. There was a return back to the Word of God. Sola Scriptura, like salvation in Christ alone. But the Reformers had a lot of Reformation to do. They'd gone 1,500 years apart. Like they, they, they fell away for 1,500 years. It's a long time to fall. Don't think they got it right overnight. They didn't have the gifts of the Holy Spirit flowing, the power of the Holy Spirit flowing. They still struggle with it today, some of the Reformed. They didn't have missions, movement, Took a hundred years of prayer for that. To wake up the church to get back on mission. Then these Moravians come. And they're like sold out. Any, anyone ever heard of the Moravians? They are like crazy. They were like the first modern missions movement since the book of Acts. Okay? Should do a little bit of that research. So they come on the scene and they're just ready to die for Christ. They were leaving Europe and going to the ends of the earth. That was their calling. To bring the lamb the reward of his suffering. To bring in the great harvest. And things were forgotten. Scriptures like, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. The great commission, go to all nations and make disciples. Mark 16, preach the gospel to all creation. All these things had been forgotten. So then God awakens. He shakes the Moravians rise up. The army of God rises up. And there was a group of them going to an island, a group of them going on a boat to an island. That, that like cannibalistic, like very dangerous indigenous island, okay? When they got like, you know how the old missionaries used to go? They would get their ticket and their casket and go. That was old missions, okay, guys? They would get their ticket and their casket and their Bible and that's it. You'll never see them again. So their families know they're going to die. They're going to get killed and eaten by these people they're going to witness to. Literally. They're on their way to the... I forgot what island. I apologize. i got to do my own history a little better. But they're going to this island. Their families are on the shore weeping and, and, and wailing. Oh my God, we'll never see you again. Oh, and they're wailing. It's a funeral, guys. Lest the seed falls to the ground and is crushed, it will not produce, right? And the Moravians are joyfully sailing away. And they turn around to their families. And it became the cry of the Moravians. I get chills. They said, May the Lamb receive the reward of His suffering. May the Lamb receive the reward of His suffering. Wow. Can one of us in this church today, even one, say that they would be willing to do such a thing for Christ? I'm asking myself. And they went and they were martyred and eaten, beaten, and who knows? That's what, that's, that's, that's why, guys, we know the gospel. 
That's why we have Bibles in our hands, because people like that gave up every... All the apostles were murdered, guys. The blood, the prophets, Isaiah was sawn in two. Jeremiah beaten in prison many times. The apostles persecuted. All of them were martyred except John the Apostle. And they tried to kill him. You know what they did to him? They threw him in a pot of boiling oil. But the Lord wasn't done with him. So the guards who threw him in perished in the heat and melted like in the days of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They melted with the fervent heat of this boiling oil. John gets thrown in and his chains melt off his wrist and he comes out of the pot. And they freak out and run out of the stadium. It was a game. They, they were doing it in the midst of one of those Olympic, you know, Roman pagan games they used to play. Thought they were going to throw the man of God in the oil and mock him. And he came out, the oil, soaked in fiery oil, alive. And they ran out of the stadium. The, the governor, uh, whoever it was that had gave the order to kill him, tells the guards, spear him, spear him. They said, he cannot die. He's a God. And they ran out of the place. These are the saints, guys. Back to the harvest. The workers are few. The workers are few. So the harvest is souls. The harvest is people. The harvest was a time of joy. The harvest was a bringing in of that which was labored for. Understand what an earthly, physical, you know, harvest is. You toil, you plant seed, you beat the ground, the hardened ground, you, you toil the soil, you plant seed in it, the seed falls into the ground, it's crushed and it dies, the, uh, you know, you water it, it grows, you cultivate it, it, like years later, years later, you get the harvest. Months, years, after all the hard, right? Toil, you reap the joy. The harvest season in the Jewish culture was a time of celebration, right? They had the wheat harvest, they had the celebrations. And they would bring in this bountiful harvest. And they would party. They would celebrate. They would praise God for His faithfulness and goodness. Let me tell you, the ground was the earth, guys. The seed was Jesus, who was brought to this rugged, wretched, sinful, cracked up, beat up, hardened earth. And he came down and he toiled, and his ministry was what broke the ground open so to speak, softened up the ground a bit, and then he planted himself in the ground and he died. He was crushed on the cross and he died. I don't know if I can call the resurrection the water, (laughs) but when he fell in the ground and died, when he was crushed on the cross and he was nailed to the cross for our sins, what happened? The earth shook. The earthquake came and shook the earth. I believe God was saying, this was my seed. This was my seed. And this one seed from this one crushing, this one cross, this one man will come the great harvest. 
And in three days, Jesus rose again. In three days, Jesus rose again. The Lord did not allow His Holy One to see decay. He raised Jesus back from the dead and Jesus came alive again on the third day. His body was resurrected. He never died. The Holy One cannot die. He's the resurrection and the life. And He rose, His physical body that was dead rose and the Lord returned and He said, now is this time. I understand we live in like dispensation, so to speak, and we have these different ages, right? We had the old covenant. We had the new covenant. We call this the dispensation of grace. Could I tell you, this is the dispensation of the harvest. This is the dispensation of souls coming into the kingdom. I know there's a great tribulation coming. I know there's the final days. But guys, don't be deceived. Don't think it's right now. Why? It's not. There's still time. There's still opportunity. There's still a window of opportunity left. The window might be this much left open, but it's still open. Amen? The hand clock might be saying 11.59, but there's still a minute left. Amen? Jesus said we must labor while it's still day, for the night is coming when no one can work. The time is now, guys. Jesus, the Bible says in Romans, you guys have to reread this. It says, today is the day of salvation, right? It's the scripture where he's commanding us to preach the gospel. He's saying, how can they believe on him who they have not heard? Romans 10. And how can they hear and believe on him if there's no one who preaches Christ to them? And how can they preach and go unless they are sent? And then he talks about the timing. And the, purpose, the, the time is now. Today is the day of salvation. And now is the acceptable time. And when you look at that real word today, he's not even saying today like later today. He's saying today like now. Now is the time of salvation. And now is the acceptable time. Now. Not an hour from now. Not but wait first, Jesus. Now. And there's people in history who have pressed into this thing like never before. One of them is a man named Reinhard Bunke. One. There's many others. Billy Graham. They've they've grasped this heart of God. They've finally grasped this salvation of the Lord. The hour and time is now. And they begin to preach the gospel with power and authority. Just the pure gospel. That's it. And they saw harvests of souls. Because they didn't have a but first. They didn't have a other agenda. The workers are few, guys. The workers are few. But those who hear this calling, those who hear this, see the heart of God in this harvest. There's great things, guys. This man, Reinhard Bunke, let me tell you, Matt is doing a biography study on his life now. This is the ministry that I will be going to partner with and work with for the next three months, possibly years of my life. We're going into a training to do a mission in Africa where millions of people, including many, many Muslims, are going to hear the gospel. Massive. This man, Bunke, okay? His father was a Nazi 
soldier, a Nazi soldier, okay, in Hitler's army. And Jesus Christ, whether through dream or vision, somehow had appeared to this man and spoke to him and told him, get out of this army. I am Jesus. I want you to serve me. I want you to follow me. This man became a pastor. He left the Nazi army, became a minister of the gospel. He began to preach the gospel, preach the word of God. He had a son named Reinhard Bunke. This man got a calling to be a missionary. He, he heard the call, the harvest is plentiful, but workers are few, Lord. Here am I. He went to Africa to be a missionary. He goes to Africa. He starts planting a church, pretty much similar to what me and my wife and family did in Brazil. He went there. He was sent by his denomination. They kind of had this, you know, a little bit, uh, uh, I would say maybe a cookie cutter model of what he should do. You know, go to the country, plant a church, do this and this the way we do it, you know, back home. You know, keep your denominational regulations and all that. So he goes there. He did that. But the Lord started speaking to him while he was there and showing him things he never knew. He read about miracles. He never saw them until he went to Africa. He read about people getting set free of demons. He never saw it, but then he went to Africa. He read about people being raised from the dead. He never saw it, but then he went to Africa. And he started seeing a vision of this continent of Africa washed in the blood of Jesus, like from, from south to north, just the whole continent getting washed in the blood of Jesus. And he was freaked out. What, he was maybe in his 20s at this time or no more than 30. What is this vision, Lord? What are you showing me? The Lord told him, I want Africa to be saved. I want Africa to hear the gospel. I want Africa to come to salvation. Now is the time. And he, what are you talking about? Lord? So he wanted, he heard this calling. He saw this vision and he wanted to obey God, but his church was against it. They didn't see that vision. They didn't see what he was seeing. They came, he started evangelizing, doing little tent crusades and meetings all over. They came and tried to shut it down. <laughs> shut down the gospel. Shut down the spreading of the gospel. That's pretty bad leadership there. Sorry to say. <laughs> Not good leadership. This isn't what we sent you here to do, Bunky. We did just, you know... Go in the corner, be the little denominational pastor like we called you to be. But God called him to something greater. And he went to a hotel because he was such a humble man. When you study this man's life, he never in his life had any kind of scandal, ministry failure. He was imperfect like us all, but very, very humble man of God, pure hearted. He didn't want to dishonor his leaders. He went to fast and pray. He goes to the hotel he goes to uh, seek the Lord. He says, Lord, I, I, I know you're calling me. I hear you calling me, but, remember the but? My, my leaders are saying this other thing, and I don't want to be dishonorable or disobedient or um, you know, defiant. I want to submit. The Lord told him, why are you here? And why are you asking me? I've already told you what to do. Now you go do it or I'll find someone else. Just like that. Do what I've commanded you or I'll find someone else. Guys, we are not needed. Okay? We're not like necessary. Like God calls us by His grace. He enables us by His power. 
And it should be our honor and joy to give our life to the King. Not a burden. Not miserable. And this man got up out of the hotel. He said he was only fasting and praying a couple hours. The Lord didn't even let him wait there and wonder what time. And the Lord showed him Africa again, washed in the blood. He said, you go preach the gospel or I'll find someone else. Bunky got up. He left. He began preaching the gospel all over Africa. It started in a tent. The tent grew to 50,000, 100,000. It was the largest tent ever erected in the history of the world. It was in the Guinness Book of World Records. You can look it up. The Bunky Revival Tent. That thing held like two, three hundred thousand people at the final, you know, at the final stage of this tent. Thousands of people coming to hear the gospel, getting saved, getting delivered. And then one day a storm came and blew the tent and destroyed it. And the Lord said, your tent is hindering me, Bonky. Your tent is hindering me. It's too small. The harvest is too great and your tent is too small. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having a tent with 250,000 people under it? And the Lord said, you're hindering me. So I destroyed your tent. And they began to go into the fields, the harvest fields, and they would spend months plowing fields, miles and miles of fields in Africa, flattening the field, preparing the field, and God would send millions upon millions of people to these crusades to hear the gospel. Oh, they pray for sick because there's sick people in Africa if you didn't know. Oh, they pray against demons because demons are there and they're real if you didn't know. But they, number one, they preach the gospel above all. And they see, they have seen now 80 million people on record, 80 million people on record come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. After hearing the true gospel and committing their life to Christ and getting plugged into churches. 80 million people, guys. That's a great harvest. That's literally like, you understand, that's literally like one-fifth of our entire nation. A quarter of our entire nation. Can you imagine if 80, 90 million people got saved in America, truly saved? Because we got about 80, 90 million so-called believers in America, but I don't think they're truly saved, and I'm just being real. But this ministry has been doing this for about four or five decades. Bunky died a year, uh, about two years ago. He passed away a year and a half, something like that. Reinhard Bunky became the four, like the father of, you know, CFAN, the founder. And he had a young man, a young man that he worked with for years that got saved in a revival. His name is Daniel Kalenda. This man is a strong, anointed evangelist, okay, that is purely devoted to preaching the gospel only. And this man trains missionaries, he trains evangelists, but he preaches the gospel. They did, they said that last year, 2020, they did as much crusades or even more than they used to do before COVID. And they saw millions getting saved still right now. They said, we're not giving up, we're not stopping, we're pressing in. We can't let this stop the gospel. And they are pressing into this thing. Daniel Kalenda is a fifth generation pastor's kid. Fifth generation. His great, great grandfather, great, great, or sorry, his great grandfather 
His great-great-grandfather was the first minister, his great-grandfather the second, grandfather, father, him. His great-grandfather, you know, a hundred years ago, I don't know, started seeing a vision of harvest multitudes of people getting saved, okay? Getting saved. And he thought he was the one with that calling. He thought like he would, so he just started preaching the gospel, evangelizing. He was faithful, but it, the vision wasn't for him. So then his son comes, Daniel's grandfather, and then Daniel's dad. They're all preachers. They're all men of righteousness. They're all evangelists. But then Daniel's born. Daniel gets set on fire. He gets born again, and he begins working with Ryan Harbunke years later. Right before his great-grandfather died, I guess he got to encounter or talk to his great-grandfather right before he died. And his great-grandfather said, Daniel, I saw this vision when I was your age, a young man. I saw this vision years ago of these great harvests of souls. And he said, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for your grandfather. It wasn't even for your father. It's for you. You were the one who fulfilled this vision. You, you need to go and preach this gospel and continue doing what you're doing. So this man, Daniel Kalenda, he's the new leader of CFAN. He's been for many years ministering with Bunky, but now Bunky has passed on. He went to be with the Lord. When Bunky died, check this out. When Reinhard Bunky died, he was 79 years old. Okay? And the ministry that he founded led 79 million people to Christ the year he died. Like, exactly, on record. Okay, not even saying who, you know, the, the people they don't know about that got saved, that just heard on the radio, all that. These are recorded salvations. Like, they take their name, they tell, you know, they get them plugged into a church, they made a confession of faith, they repent when the gospel is being preached, and they get them plugged in. So he, can you imagine that? One million souls for every year of your life? Can you imagine that? That is incredible. That's a legacy. He's considered, you know, like in Africa, I mean, he's literally considered like the Apostle Paul in Africa. I'm not calling him an Apostle Paul. I'm just saying that's the, how they revere him. And they keep going, guys. So now, CFAN is calling, they're calling this the decade of double harvest. This is what they're calling it. Okay, 2020 to 2030. And remember what's all going on in the world, right? You got the UN 2030 plan. You got all these satanic agendas. You got all these demonic agendas going on. But God is giving people passion and vision to not give up, to even press in farther. And Daniel has a vision that it's called the decade of double harvest. That they believe, they believe by God's power, His grace, His mercy, His calling, that they're going to lead like 70, 80 million people to Christ like Reinhard Bunke did in his whole life, like 80 years of life. They believe in the next 10 years, God has called them to lead that many more people to Christ. Another 70, 80 million souls. And so they're not stupid. They've been doing this long enough to know that they can't do that by themselves. They can't preach the gospel to that many people alone. They can't get the message to that many people alone. They, they're calling now for evangelists to come and train with them. Just like Jesus did here, He appointed 72 others. Matthew 10 
talks about how Jesus appointed the 12 apostles, right? If you read Matthew 10 and Luke 10, it's very parallel. It's exactly, you look at it and there's a lot of the same stuff happening. But in Matthew 10, it only shows Jesus sending his 12 apostles. But in Luke 10, obviously the harvest is too great for just the 12. So he appoints 72 others to go out. And basically, this is what CFAN is focused on doing now. They're calling evangelists. They're calling people. They're trying to find who God is appointing to join them in this harvest work. So I signed up for this school back in August, September. I went through the process. They, they've, they, you know, I think they got a couple thousand applicants. They only picked 120. And these people are going to be trained and thrusted out into the nations, not just Africa anymore, but the, nation, the nations all over the world to preach the gospel. What I want to say is, I do believe the whole Bible. I do believe that we are in the last days. Everything is getting worse. Evil is increasing. Lawlessness and lovelessness will increase also. We're getting closer to the great tribulation, although we're not in it. And there's a great apostasy happening. A great apostasy happening. Many so-called Christians falling away. Many so-called churches compromising. But Jesus said all that would happen. And with this great apostasy, I almost look at it as the days of Jesus, okay? A lot of, when you look at prophecy and you look at history, you have to remember it's very repetitive, okay? Let me give you a few references. As it was in the days of Noah, okay, people were what? Sinning and eating and drinking and partying and being merry and being violent. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, right? So the first judgment we see of the whole earth, Noah, flood. What was happening? The world was evil and sinful. Jesus coming back, right? The second final judgment. Evil, increasing, violence, all those things that they were doing. Eating, drinking, being merry. You see a lot of repetitiveness in prophecy and how th God works through history, okay? Now what I'm saying is when Jesus came the first time, something was happening. The kingdom of God was coming to earth and a lot of the people who were supposed to enter the kingdom, who were supposed to be, uh, you know, accounted as righteous or saints, they were not found worthy. You find this in the parable of the great wedding feast. Read that in Matthew's gospel. The parable of the great wedding feast. I won't go into the details, but you can read it later. The great wedding banquet, sorry. And what was happening in this time when Jesus was on the earth was a lot of the Jews, a lot of the chosen people of God were rejecting the message and rejecting the Messiah. And Jesus said, therefore, they were not found worthy to enter the great wedding feast. So go out. Instead of them, someone's going to take their spot. The kingdom of heaven ain't going to be empty because they rejected it, right? The kingdom of heaven, the banquet's going to be full. So go out into the hedges and highways. My banquet's ready. Send my servants and compel the people on the streets to come in. Because the original invited guests weren't ready. 
what is going to happen in the last days I truly believe is very similar to that. That happened in the first coming of Christ to the earth. I believe it's going to happen in the second coming just the way it did. Many people calling Lord, Lord, saying they're Christians, going to churches are going to fall away. They're going to fall away from the Lord. They're not worthy to be accounted righteous. They're not going to they're going to shrink back. They're going to look back. They're going to look back like Lot's wife. They're not going to enter the kingdom when Jesus returns. And many will say, Lord, Lord, and he will say, but I I didn't know you. But because of that, that great falling away, I also believe there will be a great gathering. And it will be people who in the last hour, like the man dying on the cross next to Jesus, who you never thought, who you never considered worthy, who you, that neighbor that annoys you, that you don't even want to talk to, much less witness to, the family member. People are going to come in, guys, to this kingdom of God because the banquet of Jesus will not be an empty room. Do you understand? God is throwing a heavenly banquet. Jesus is the Son of God. And he's going to have a great wedding feast. And if the invited guests don't want to come in, he will find someone else to fill their spot. You understand that? And that's why I truly believe, and there's many other parables and scenarios. You look at the book of Acts when the new covenant began. They call it the latter and the former reign. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And the Joel, the prophet, said, in the last days, okay, so... In the last days, we have prophecy about falling away, apostasy, many growing cold. But Joel actually said, in the last days, many, the Spirit of God will be poured out upon many, and many will come, become sons and daughters. So we have to be balanced, and we have to gather all the information of the Bible to understand what is going to happen in the last days. Because you have these two sides, right? You have the... The gloom and doom, woe is me, the end of the world's coming, everyone's going to hell and everyone's falling away. And then you got the people who, oh, harvest, 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 and everything's good. But they they have to be balanced and understand both is going to happen. That's what I believe the Bible teaches. Both of these things are going to be happening. So now I'm going to just read this last scripture and I'm going to share what I'm going to be doing and we'll close. So Jesus gives them the calling, the mission, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. We went through that. So Jesus shows them the picture, the heavenly scene. He shows them the problem, the workers are few, but then He gives them a solution. You ready for it? It's back in verse 2, Luke 10 verse 2. He says, So therefore ask or pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into His field. Ask the Lord. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. This is a very interesting passage. You know why? The Lord actually identifies Himself with the harvest. He's actually saying, this is a part of me. This is a part of my identity. Kind of like, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I'm the Lord Jehovah. 
Jireh, your provider. I'm the Lord who heals you. I'm the Lord who saves you. I'm the Lord of, I'm the Lord of Israel. I'm the Lord of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I'm the Lord of heaven. I'm the Lord of earth. He's identifying. He's taking lordship over something. He actually identified. I, I think it's the only place in scripture except in Revelation where you see Jesus with his sickle in his hand thrusting the earth. But he says, I am the Lord of the harvest. It's my harvest. I purchased it at the cross. All, every soul, every nation, tribe, and tongue, and person that will be in the kingdom of God. It's my harvest, says the Lord. It's my harvest. I'm the Lord of the harvest. And let me tell you what to do, saints. Pray to me because I am the Lord of this thing. And I can raise up rocks. And I can raise up an army from dry bones. And I can raise up an army from a dead valley of bones. And I can tell my people and thrust my people and command them to go forth. And they will. I can raise up, any, I, I can raise up an army even in such an hour as this. And he's saying pray, and the word, the command, the biblical word pray here wasn't like pray for your food, okay? The word that Jesus used for pray in Luke 10 was beg me, says the Lord of the harvest. Beg me that I will do this thing. You see the picture. You see the harvest field and it's ripe. And you see the problem and the labors are few. So begin to cry out to me. Begin to beg me. If there's ever a time in our nation, America, listen, whoever's online, listen to what I'm saying. If there's ever a time to pray and beseech the Lord and fast and weep and mourn and beg the Lord, it's now. And if we don't now answer that call, if we don't now cry out to God, America will fall. I hope you know that. If we don't now humble ourselves and pray and seek His face and turn from our wicked ways as the people of God, and purify our hearts and sanctify our sanctuaries, America will fall. The kingdom will go on. God's work will continue. But your homes, your schools, your families, your nation will crumble unless the Lord Himself hears from heaven and heals this land. He said, pray to the Lord of the harvest to thrust out, that's what this word means, send out laborers, into his harvest field. This thrust is the same word God uses in the wor- in the Bible for uh, casting out demons. Okay, whenever you see a demon being casted out, sent out, casted out, it was the word thrust. Okay, and what that means is there was a violent kind of pushing forth of something that wasn't supposed to be there church god is shaking us 2020 was a shaking it was a shaking and if you do not hear his heart and calling on your life and you do not allow him to thrust you forth that's what he's trying to do he's trying to get us by force out of the place we once were get us by force to move because we're we're, we're like sheep without a shepherd. We're like Israel in the wilderness who doesn't want to go into the promised land because there's too many giants to fight. And he wants to push us by faith, push us by force into the promises he has for us, into the kingdom he has prepared for those who love him, into the harvest field that's ripe and ready. There's so many people hungry, guys. In America... The fields are ripe now, I believe, more than ever. I believe we are prepared. 
I don't know if we'll see it. I don't know if it'll happen. Again, because it is contingent on certain things, obedience and the church rising up. But I believe America is now prepared for the third great awakening. I believe that. It's being prepared by the Lord for the third great awakening. And it could come if we awaken. Amen? It could come if we awaken. The last verse, then he says, so, so pray, verse 3, and go. So wait, God, you're not just telling us to talk about it or pray about it. You're actually telling us to do something, <laughs> to take action, to go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. We were singing this song this morning. This is the last verse that I'm going to read today. I'm just going to share a few things. I didn't even get into Timothy. Sorry, guys, but I'll encourage you to read it in a moment. We are singing how for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. You know, I was thinking how if God sent Jesus, he was the son of God and he sent him. And his one life, his one act of sacrifice and death brought salvation to so many. And then he says that he's sending us. Jesus actually told his disciples, just as the Father sent me, so I send you. So if one son, okay, Jesus was the only begotten son, but if one son sacrificed can do all that, what if a hundred of us sacrificed our lives? Or a thousand sons and daughters were crushed like the Moravian missionaries. How much fruit could we bring forth? What, 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 if one son could do all that, and he was sent by the Father, and now this one son sends us, and we're sons and daughters, like what could happen? You know? You ever thought of this, this concept? You're a child of God. You have been called by God to do the things that Jesus did. The death of the Moravians, the blood of the Moravians paved the way for all modern day missions today. Their families maybe thought it was a waste of life. You're 30 years old. What are you doing going to be a martyr? But their blood paved the way for all modern day missions. Their sacrifice. So in closing, guys, I want to share with you this last thing that you can pray for. Again, please, uh, I didn't get to it. Please read 1 Timothy 4 when you have time, if you have time. Read about the great wedding banquet in Matthew's Gospel. I think it's 22. But Matthew's Gospel, the great wedding banquet, and then 2 Timothy 4. You can jot it down, read it for homework. But Paul told Timothy in that, in that passage, it's the passage where he says, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word, Timothy. In and out of season, preach the gospel. Don't give up. Do the work of an evangelist. Don't stop. And I want to, and, and, and he actually says, I charge you, Timothy. I charge you. 
before the living God, I charge you to do this thing. It wasn't like a suggestion, okay? I think the church needs to be recharged and needs to understand this is not the time. This is not the time for us to sit back, close our eyelids, get comfortable, watch, watch church online, listen to the world, give in to the spirit of fear. Paul said, in and out of season. You know where Paul was? Prison. And he kept preaching the gospel. The guillotine was getting sharpened for him. And he said, keep preaching the gospel. And I'm telling you guys, we have to rise. It is time to rise. And it is time in and out. This is the out of season type of season, right? This is the weird season, the out of season. But he said, don't stop. Be faithful. Preach the gospel in and out of season, guys. And this is why I'm going to Orlando, Florida for three months. I'm going to move again. I just got a great job. I just got a comfortable, nice little Florida life. I can sit here comfortably with my family. Oh, I've already, you know, 10 years in Brazil. It's already, you know, I got some good rewards in heaven. What kind of season this is? Everyone's telling me, are you sure? Are you, why now? What, what do you, how are you going to preach to millions of people? Let me tell you, because I got a vision when I was 18 years old. And God showed me this. And that's my God. He can fulfill he can bring a million people to hear the gospel in the midst of the pandemic when the whole world's saying, don't do it. Amen? He can fulfill His promise regardless of earthly circumstances. Can you imagine? I've seen this vision when I was 18 years old and God fulfills it in the midst of a pandemic. <laughs> that is our God. Amen? He can do it, guys. I am not going to give in to the lie of the enemy. The promises of God and the Spirit of God is greater than He who is in the world. The giants are not bigger than our God. The, the giants in the land are not going to hold you back from His promises unless you give in to the fear. And there's many things, guys, you have been called to do. Many of you have a calling, a ministry. You're, maybe you're older and in that season. Look, Joshua and Caleb said, we're not shrinking back. We're not looking back. We're 80. And we're stronger to go and do battle now than we were when we were 40. We're going into the land, right? By faith. And we cannot give in, guys. It's a compromise. Do you understand? It's a compromise for the church to shrink back in such an hour. It's exactly what the devil wants. Put a bushel on their head. Oh, look at them. A little sniffles. And they got a bushel on their head. They're all sitting at home watching online. <laughs> I just divided the whole kingdom. Most of them ain't even watching online. I tried to watch online last week outside and it was just chopping up. I couldn't even do it because I was having some, I had a meeting and I had some other issues going on, sinus attack. So I sat outside, tried to watch it. It didn't even work. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying be careful with the wisdom of man. So we're going to Orlando. We're going to preach the gospel in Orlando for three months. Every week we're doing one outreach. We're going to reach people in Florida. There's a lot of Brazilians, Hispanic people up there. We're going to go. We're going to be doing training. Every morning we're spending two to three hours just praying, just at the feet of Jesus. That's the, that's the best training you can get, amen? Just two, three hours worshiping the King and praying at His feet. Then we're going to do some evangelistic courses, all biblically centered, everything gospel centered. 
We're going to train ourselves, prepare ourselves, sanctify ourselves, outreach every week, once a week, going in groups, 120 people in groups to the streets. And then from there, we're going to go to Africa for three weeks and do massive uh, crusade evangelism like Billy Graham style. And I, I beseech you, brothers, to pray and sisters to pray for us. I'm not going to be labeled the hour anymore. I will be sharing some more uh, details, but we're relocating for these three months. I will sometimes be coming back on the weekends, but for the most part, we're going to be in Orlando staying there, living there, working there. We're going to see if God leads us to continue to work with this ministry after the three months is over. But what's amazing is this ministry is a network. Once you go there and you do this training and you do this one crusade outreach in Africa with this group, it's not over. You know, It's not like some little school and you just get a check in the box and then you're done. They're creating a team of people who want to do this and dedicate the rest of their lives to this. So it's a training phase, but it's for the rest of our lives. This is something that we're going to be doing for the rest of our lives, guys. Going to the darkest places in the world, going to the four corners of the earth, going to Asia, that's my passion. Asia, Africa, Europe, the unreached places, spreading the gospel. And you guys are a part of this. Seriously, you're part of this. I, I, I'm calling it the final harvest. Or the final part of the harvest, right? And every one of you are a part of this. Remember when Jesus told His disciples, you, you guys get to enjoy and receive that which for you didn't even labor for. Like, you get to be a part of the harvest. That's the final part. The prophets did the labor. The prophets, the priests, the kings. Jesus gave the sacrifice. You guys just get to enter into the best part. He's saying, do you know how many prophets and kings desired to see the things that you see and could not or did not? Do you understand? Do you understand what he's saying? The joy you should have, the fire and fervency you should have, the passion, the burning of the kingdom of God moving on this earth. You guys are a part of this. And this is the greatest time, guys. I know the world is shaking and the end is near, but it ain't over till it's over. Amen? We know the final outcome, we know what's coming. But we get to finish the work. We get to enjoy the final portion. So let's pray, guys. I want to pray. I want to let the Lord just speak to us for a moment. Maybe Matt has one more song. If you guys have any questions, any thoughts, you know, um, before we pray, you know, please just come and ask. You know, we, we can definitely give you more details or information. If you want to support us or just pray for us, we just beseech you to please pray for us, to the, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Um, but I just want to pray for you guys and let the Holy Spirit speak.
So, Lord God, we all just come before you. We, we bow our heads, but more importantly, we humble our, our hearts before the King of glory. Mainly, primarily to just say thank you, God. Thank you that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Above all, God, above seeing many miracles or captives set free from the devil's power or even multitudes getting saved, you said rejoice above all that, that your name is written in the book of life, that you are saved. And so, Lord, we rejoice that you have counted us worthy because we know we're unworthy apart from you. We just say thank you, Jesus, that you wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life, that we're children and sons and daughters of the Most High God. By your grace we are saved through faith, not of our works lest we boast. So we thank you, Jesus, for your grace today, your amazing grace, your unconditional love, your agape love, Father, that holds us when we fall, that picks us up when we fall, Lord. You hold us in the palm of your hand. And no one can snatch us out. But because, God, because we've received such a love, God, we want to freely give it. You commanded them right after. You said, your name is written in the book of life. You've received salvation. But you freely received it, so freely give it. Father, we want to freely give that which we have received from you. That which we didn't deserve from you. Mercy, grace, the gospel. And so, Lord, I pray for the church across America. I pray across America that the gospel of Jesus would begin to burn in our hearts again. That the first love, the first fire, the flame would begin to burn again, Lord. Because you commanded us, we could do all the great works, but you said you have forgotten your first love. We want to return to our first love today, Father. So I pray for anyone and everyone in this room, including myself. I pray for anyone and everyone watching online. And I pray for everyone who would call themselves a Christian, who would claim the name of Christ in America, God, that they would take this calling and rise up, Lord. They wouldn't hit the spiritual snooze button, but they would rise up in this final hour. They would open their eyes. God, your light would shine upon them as you said in your word, awake, O sleeper, that the light of Christ would shine on you. So I pray that your light would shine on people right now, God, as I speak. That your light would awaken us, Holy Spirit. That your calling would be beckon us, Holy Spirit, like the Moravians. That we would be willing to give up everything for the gospel. That we would be given be willing to give up our whole lives for the sake of Jesus that we wouldn't look back or say but first God because you are but first your kingdom is first your name to be exalted Jesus for you are worthy you are the only one who is worthy to take the scroll to take it in your hand to reclaim this earth Jesus you're the only one who purchased us at the cross so we thank you, God. We pray for an awakening. We pray for the revival of the church in America. We pray for the great awakening. May it be the final one, God, but may it be the greatest one of all. Because you're the God of the final hour. You're the God who comes through in the final hour, God. And you will not forsake us, Lord. You will not leave us. You will not abandon us. If we humble ourselves and cry out to you, God, come. Come and revisit your people. Visit your churches. Visit your people, God.
and let us burn for you again. Let the all-consuming fire be our one heart's desire. And let that one thing burn away everything else, God, that doesn't need to be there. That all-consuming flame. I just pray right now, God, for a burning bush experience for people. A burning bush experience that you would, you would meet with people, God, like you did Reinhard Bunke's father. Even in their older age, you would speak to them. You would manifest your presence to them. You would make yourself known to them. Moses was 80 years old. 80 years old when he started his ministry. When he started. I pray in the name of Jesus that even ministries would be birthed in 80-year-old people. People who are 70 and 80 and the world says they should be retired. They should be done. There's, there's nothing left for them. I pray that fire would touch them and revival would burn in them and that even visions and dreams would be given to them and you would birth in them, Lord. Let the dry bones come to life, God. I prophesy, Lord. You asked Ezekiel to speak to the dry bones. And I prophesy to the dry bones of America. I prophesy, Lord, to the valley of death that it would come back to life in the name of Jesus. That you would awaken your army, awaken your people. And if we don't listen, you'll find someone else, God. But may we be those who hear your voice and obey. May we be those who say, yes, Lord. We thank you, God. I don't want to belabor the time anymore. But if there's anyone here watching online that just needs Jesus, you need salvation. Maybe you don't even understand anything I talked about this whole morning for one hour of preaching. But I want you to understand this one thing. Jesus loves you. He died on the cross to pay the full price for your sins. Every single sin on Him was laid. And though you were red like crimson, full of guilt and shame, He can take you and make you a new creation and wash you whiter than snow. Make you completely clean. So whoever you are watching online here, if you've fallen, you're a backslidden Christian, you've shrunk back, you've looked back, today He can make you clean. He can create in you a new heart and a steadfast spirit that will make you firm and unmovable and unshakable because He is the one who's able to keep us from stumbling. We pray for these people right now. If that's you online or here today, just pray in your heart. Pray with your mouth. Pray with me this prayer and ask Jesus to come and change you. Just say, Lord Jesus, I humble myself before you. I hear you speaking to me. And I believe that you died for me, that you love me. Please, Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Please, Jesus, forgive me for all my evil. I repent, Lord. I repent. And I turn to you. And I ask you, Lord, to be my God, to be my Savior, to be my Lord, and to change my life forever. From this day forever, I give you my life. Say that just, I give you my life. If you can't say anything else, I just feel like someone's watching 
and they they can't even say anything but just say Jesus I give you my life and watch what he will do with it surrender is the key to freedom and victory and just ask in Jesus name all these things in Jesus name for your glory father amen